Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Public Access America. Sorry for missing a week. I did a move, did a transition, and we are back for our Sunday live stream hosted on Public Access America's YouTube channel. Go ahead and check us out there. This is the pre-live recording, but remember that you can always visit the live stream and use the chat function to share your opinion. Let us know what issues you're dealing with or just say, hey, spot on opinion. <laughs> you can also find us everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And I'm going to go through the list of, you know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play and TuneIn Radio and the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Overcast and Pocket Cast and all of those great apps that you use. Tell us where you find us so that we can listen. We're even on something called Victor Reader, which is an amazing thing for blind people, I found out. So that's exciting. You can you can even use your Google, Google device. And um, yeah, find us, listen to us, check us out. It's, um, it's your voice we're trying to incorporate into this. Real people, real conversations every time. And, you know, we're happy to have people on. We support Run For Something. We support Emily's List over on Twitter at Public Access Pod. Feel free to go ahead and follow us there and retweet some of our tweets, some of our very special tweets. We are supporting now a new, a new movement, Sister Underscore District. Go follow them on Twitter. They are working to elect Democrats to the state legislatures. And so that's kind of cool. They are a joint project with the Sister District Action Network. You can go ahead and follow them on Twitter and volunteer with them. You know, make a difference. Do something. Do something. We keep saying that it's involvement in local offices that really is what's going to change everything. And it seems like the Republicans got the message, but the Democrats are a little late to the party. So let's do that. Um, check us out on Instagram at Public Access America. <laughs> and you can find me on TikTok at Public Access Pod. You can find me on Snapchat at Jason Anthony 850. We're really everywhere. I don't even know. Hey, we are sponsored by Red Circle, which is exciting. So if you want to host your podcast for free and Earn incentives as you build your audience. Red Circle is the way to go. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, 
And each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people and another 10. We did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believe them. Children were being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. We're here with Jeffrey, and I am thrilled. I'm thrilled. Ah, it's been so long since I saw your face. I just don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, well, I mean, you know, you got to move yourself into a new place and have all sorts of uh, good times doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I should say where I am. I'm in a, I'm in an undisclosed location just in the suburbs of Sweden. <laughs> and every week it may just change. How's your, how's, how have you been? Oh, it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been pretty interesting. To say the least, um, <laughs> I uh, had myself a sudden kidney stone this week, so that was a wow. uh, that was a lot of fun. Was it? No. Did we all go get one? Should we all try and get it? Look, if you want to go out and get yourself a kidney stone, five out of seven would recommend. <laughs> Perfect five out of seven. I'll say for any men, man, genital pain is probably worse than childbirth. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I wish I could. I wish I could definitively confirm that one. I will say that uh, I've had, this would be my fourth kidney stone that I've had, hmm, and this okay. was actually just mildly uncomfortable wow okay so but i had i had one that i had to have surgery on that i mean it took me freaking down like i, I was in the office and this was mm. like 10 years ago almost 10 years ago and i mean it took me down like i was doubled over on the floor in pain yeah i get it so um, and, and then I had two more after that that were pretty much like that. And then this one wasn't actually that bad. So <laughs> after you've had compared the to those the seven isn't so bad, right? And oh, every, yeah. Every man should take care of his health early. You know what I mean? Stay on that stuff. Oh, we're, su we're such men that we wait till it's a big deal. And then everything is a big deal because that's what men talk about with each other. Right. We never say, oh, yeah, I went in and got it dressed early and moved on with life. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, like, you know, 
growing up in rural Montana was like, look, you know, it's 30 minutes to the nearest hospital. And Mm. so like, do you really need to go because you're poor and that's a, that's a hell of an expense already plus having to get there. So it's like, you really got to be sure that you need to go. I think that's how most of America is nowadays is just be sure you have to go because a lot of us have high deductibles, you know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. or, um, insur- inferior insurance. So, but I think that we need to just stay on it and just go to your general physician a couple times a year, you know, make sure you're taking care of your dental health because, you know, nobody thinks about the fact that your dental health affects your heart. Any, any infection you get in your mouth travels to your heart. So you have to be really careful about that stuff, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and on top of that, they're, you know, they're finding out, you know, just how much really is there. Like dental health affects your, your mental health, dental mm. health affects, you know, whether or not you have diabetes and it's, it's so interconnected, you know, that they're, they're figuring it, they're, they're starting to study this stuff and they're starting to figure out, um, what could be some of the early signs and catch some of these other things before they become big issues. Right. Um, it was one, that was one study I was working on was, you know, diabetes and mental health. What's the connection there? Wow. I love that. That's me in a nutshell, isn't it? Diabetes and mental health. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and so, so that's just one of the, that's just one of those things where it's like, you know, if, if you improve someone's mental health, does that improve their diabetes? If you improve somebody's diabetes, uh, you know, handling of their diabetes, does that improve their mental health? It's, mm-hmm. it's it, it was a very, it was a very interesting study. And, and part of me wishes I could have been uh, able to go through the whole study as part of the team. But, yeah, you know, life, life took me in different directions and that's all right. Yeah, I think there's a scattershot formula for addressing these things like mental health, nutrition, and um, medication. That way you're not on medication or mental health therapy too long, but you your nutrition lasts forever. And I think that's positive. I know I just spent money on salad and man, I was so excited to see they had red cabbage and you know all of the stuff I love in my salad. So I get to just go put that together today and then I will have salad like three times this week. Yeah, about that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You know, and the, the whole, the whole thing about taking charge of your health is, is so difficult. Like, Mm. especially, especially growing up poor, Mm -hmm. like you, 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 you get what you get. And that's, that's kind of one of those things where it's really, you would think that buying non-processed foods would be so much cheaper than buying processed foods. You would think. But that's sometimes that's just not the case. Yeah, I don't know why that is. And I was watching. I am really, really against prepackaged foods. And I didn't realize this. <clears throat> my my friend, he likes those because they're easy and simple. But me, I think chopping up salad is just takes less time than cooking the processed lasagna thing. And so mm. I love that. And. So I just, I just don't, when you read what they put in it just to preserve it, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I want that. I don't know what that stuff does to me, but I know I'm feeling really good without it. So, well, and and that's one of those things like, you know, like some of the, some of the frozen stuff that you look at, like, you know, the stuff that's not cooked, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the things I check is I I look to see what they suspended in. And a lot of times it's just suspended in salt water, essentially. Yeah. And so it's like, great, cool. Awesome. You know, there's not much to it, you know, 
but there's some of those things like the the way in which they keep things fresh is like yeah. oh god what was it my youngest we were i think it was uh it was a couple years ago because school was still in session she had left her she had a lunch that she had taken with her for the last day of school didn't end up eating it yeah. and then it sat in her backpack in her lunch box all summer long who hasn't done that as a kid you know what i mean so when i finally when we finally are like you know gearing up for school mm. you know she pulls out her lunch box from her backpack and she goes oh no and i'm like what do you mean oh no and she goes i had a lunch in here that i didn't eat at the on the last day of school and i'm like oh no <laughs> oh no and i'm be damned it didn't mold or anything it I wouldn't have I wouldn't have tried to eat it, but it was like holy shit, this is actually really kind of weird and disgusting. <clears throat> what was in it? Was it a sandwich? Was it a yeah? It was just a it was just a sandwich. Hmm. It was just a just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Wow, my favorite. So it was a it was a little surprising uh, hmm. to be honest, hmm. uh, but you know, that's and that was one of those things like I thought during the pandemic I would take up bread baking a little bit more than I did. And yeah. I just it's one of those things like it takes time and you know, with how busy my schedule is during the work week, sometimes I just don't have the desire to do it. And that's slowly changing as things yeah. get a little bit easier. Bread so, isn't bread isn't a hard thing. It's just it's like doing the laundry. You have to do like 10 minutes of work and then let it sit for 45 minutes and then do like five minutes of work and then let it sit for 20 minutes and then, you know, you're done. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love fresh homemade bread and that's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I need to actually like start doing that. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> man, I do love good homemade bread. I like I like knowing what's in my, in my bread. So I mm -hmm. love it. Like, yeah, I like that. I love making my own bread. I was on a, the, what is that? A blind, a blind show, cooking without looking, like a cousin podcast of ours. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that it was going to be a like, what's your favorite thing to make? You know, and I was just all over the place about dough. I was like, I love dough. Like, <laughs> it's so easy. Three ingredients, and you can make pizza dough or bread or flatbread or you can make anything with dough. You know, and I love that. Right. Mm. Mm. No, it's. <clears throat> it's absolutely fantastic. I love making pizza dough personally. Yeah. Just because I love pizza. Problem is, like for me, it's just that the whole, you know, being dairy free thing is I have to be very, very willing to accept the consequences of having cheese on my pizza. <laughs> and I don't mm. or or finding like the quote the the vegan alternative, and I've just yet to find one that's really that great. So I had a mother-in-law that used to get her pizza, no cheese, double sausage. And it was mm -hmm. a thin crust and it was like the best pizza. Like I would go into her side because I knew she'd only eat a few pieces. So I would just love hers, you know? Right. And, and, uh, but like the way that some, some companies do their, their cheese blend, mm -hmm. it, it's better or worse than others. Like there's a local company whose cheese blend is really fantastic. And I don't really have many issues when I have their pizza. Right. Um, the larger chains, some of the stuff that they use just like wrecks my guts. 
Yeah, because they're, yeah, they, I mean, it's just the way it is nowadays. There's more ingredients in preserving the stuff when your supply chains are longer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, McDonald's gets their meat from Australia sometimes. That's a long way away, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you think, when you think about how much food just goes around the globe, it's actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Um. You know, you think about how much soybean gets grown in the United States and then sent off to other countries. You think about how much uh, grain gets grown in the United States right. and sent off to other countries. You think about how many fruits and vegetables get sent into the country. Right. You know, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, when you have to cover that long of a distance, you have to preserve it in some way mm-hmm. to keep it from overripening or going bad. And right. You know, that's, I think, part of part of the equation uh, when we look at addressing climate change is, is going to be, you know, all of these methods that we're using to transport fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, how are we doing it? What are we using? Is there a more environmentally friendly way to do it? And sometimes we're going to have to prepare ourselves for you're going to have to dramatically change the system. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, like one of the best things about, you know, the, the clean energy programs are, you know, you, you eventually will see a, a carbon decrease, but the biggest problem is, is that lithium mining is such, uh, it really is an, an environmental disaster. Is it? And Oh God, lithium mining is so bad. Mm. And, 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 and you know, that's, there's always been this trade-off of, you know, what's going to be better or worse, you know, on, on the one side, you've got wind turbines. It's great. You know, the wind's always blowing in some places like Eastern Montana, where I'm from, Mm -hmm. but on the downside though, you know, you do have migratory bird deaths and it takes a little bit for them to get used to the windmills being in the paths. And eventually, you know, those will, they, they change their migration patterns to avoid those but there's been some problems. Of course. Um, when when it comes to solar, you know, you have all these solar panels, solar collectors, and it does displace, um, you know, any sort of wildlife that you have those those collectors yeah. on. Plus, the process is kind of toxic to generate those those solar. Um, oh yeah, well, it's you know those the solar pa- the the solar panels themselves use petroleum. You have mm-hmm. to you you still have to use petroleum. Um, the the mirrors, you know, the mirror systems, the the reflective systems. You still have to uh, you still have to mine all of those materials. Yep. in order to, to create that and then on, and then on top of that you know you're storing you know basically salt magma underneath the earth to keep generating heat mm-hmm. so so and then you got hydro which is going to you know affect the spawning grounds spawning runs all of that sure, other sure sure and then and then you get to nuclear you still have to mine nuclear okay but what else you know if in the old systems if you if if something goes bad it goes very bad right and that's and so like all of these trade-offs exist and and as you and basically what you've seen in in the petroleum industry is is that it's been like yeah fuck it we're just gonna go full send and then sow a bunch of seeds of dissent mm-hmm. if this sounds like how uh politics works you're 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 right on the money it's like 
okay, we're going to unite around this one cause and then we'll, you know, get all of these other groups pissed off at each other and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Yep. And it's effective. It really is. Whereas, uh, and that's been one of the biggest problems about like green energy is just getting people to say, all right, we're going to go full send on this. We're going to go full send with everything that we can. And, you know, it's going to be far better than the petroleum industry. I mean, you, you still are going to need petroleum products. That's just the nature of where we're at right now until you finally come up with solutions for petroleum products. That's, that's been one of the biggest concerns that people on the right have had is, is that, you know, people on the left have just wanted to like ax petroleum, like right then and there. And it's like, right. there's been some, there's been, there's definitely been the voices that have said, yes, that's what exactly what we need to do. And it's like, mm. yeah. And then you're going to watch mm. everybody's standard of living go down because everything is going to get exponentially more expensive. There's voices that push for that because they know they're only going to get half of what they ask for. So why half? Why ask for half of what we need, you know? And they're hoping to have another side that that pulls them back a little and says, fine, but here's how we do it in a common sense way. But we've lost that second party. So oh, absolutely. Now we're stuck with the AOCs, with the voices, the Camilla, the Pramila Jayapals, you know, the progressive wing of the caucus is the majority voice because the other side isn't saying much of anything. You know what I right. mean? Well, and, and the other side, you know, the other side of the left isn't saying much of anything, mm -hmm. you know, and they're too busy trying to appease the right. Meanwhile, the right's like, yeah, we're not changing anything. So mm -hmm. then you just get all of this infighting in on the left and well, of course nothing changes. Right. The problem, the, the problem that is going to exist is, is that until the left decides that we're going to say, fuck it, we're going to unite and go full send, right. you know, you got the, that's the reason why the right wins as much as they do until they Validity. absolutely until they absolutely fuck it up until the left absolutely fucks it up so bad that people go you know what fuck it we're going to the right right there was a, a candidate that i saw donald trump was endorsing for ohio and mm -hmm. we i mean we support jeff seitz for uh he's running against jim jordan no no apologies about that we hate jim jordan so we love jeff seitz <laughs> and uh <laughs> I've, I've talked to him in tweets about, you know, just disability advocacy and stuff, and he's all in favor of that. So I really like Jeff, but there was another candidate and I don't want to get into that, but for another district. And I was reading because I was like, how am I going to get this guy? How am I going to tweet him and say he's fucked up? Right. So I'm going to his page and what his message is, is true. And it's about inflation overwhelming us and that, um, Republicans had a better policy agenda for keeping the economy going and look at gas prices and all of these true statements that, I mean, there's, there's factors involved that, you know, in those dynamics, but the truth is, is right here, right now, their message going forward at the local level, it fits and yep. it, it, there's teeth to it. And yeah, mm -hmm. the Democrats are going too far and spending too much and, trying to help everybody that they can before they lose power, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's right. And I don't think Democrats are, are they're not tackling those messages. They're going, Oh, inflation isn't a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. And it's affecting people. Some people, not all people, but the vulnerable people. <laughs> right. And, you know, and that's, and, and, and unfortunately like 
like like we've talked about before, you know, had the last two years of Trump's presidency looked like the first two years of Trump's presidency, I I don't think the Democrats would have won that election. It I really close, don't. As close as it was, and he he just fucked everything up possible. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it, like the, the first two years, you had the economy going dangbusters. You had companies mm. raising their wages. You had the lowest unemployment in history. Yeah. Like literally, had had the party like taken his phone away from him and said, "Get the fuck off Twitter." Yeah. Like and and just kept his kept going with the first two years. You yeah. would have probably seen trump win the second election but the trade war with china started costing real money yeah, and, and then, lives and farmers lives yep yep and then covid hit costing even more like yeah. he didn't win the popular election the first time right. so when he completely botches the last two years of his presidency like it's no surprise to me that he lost even harder yeah and it was like just, it just, he ended up covering everything up instead of adjusting his policies to fit the needs. You know what I mean? It was like he went too far with immigration, but the thought might have been correct. It's just that he went too far with it. And the exposure that he got was just overwhelming. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, he, he probably could have done so many things so different. And uh, probably the the Republicans would have stayed in power. Yeah. Like it really, it really, as much as I hate to say it, like that economy in the first two years of his presidency is what got uh, unemployment down to its lowest levels. But the it trade war. It, it helped keep it down. It was trending down. and he It was trending it. down, but he it didn't... accelerated. That, that's yeah. the thing is that is it, it, yes, it was trending down but his policies accelerated that, that downward trend. Yeah. It's just that then he decided that a trade war was necessary. And, and, and as we've talked about, you know, there were some things that legitimately needed to be addressed, like forced transfer of technologies to the Chinese. Totally. totally like yeah. that's, that's a problem. And everything but should be, looked everything at. else, <clears throat> everything should be looked at, but everything else was pretty bad in terms of it's like ah oh, we're not gonna you know we're gonna raise tariffs on Chinese steel you know mm -hmm. what fuck Mexico fuck Canada fuck the European Union it was like no 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 yeah right and it was just fly by night decisions it wasn't like create a policy to prove me right you know it was just no I'm right I don't listen to other people and that was the problem you know yeah and and that was the thing like the legitimate complaints the legitimate complaints that existed, you know, were the, the forced technology transfers, yeah. you know, in dealing with the Chinese government. And then somewhat too, like, you know, the, what the European union was doing in terms of, you know, Airbus's subsidies versus what mm. was happening with Boeing. But it was kind of one of those ones where it was like, yeah, both sides knew what was happening. And if both sides would have just been like, you know what, fuck it, we're just going to leave it alone. Right. It would have been fine, but then everybody started, you know, pissing on each other, and that's how we ended up there. And mm -hmm. it cost; it started costing jobs. Job yeah. growth, job growth slowed. Unemployment didn't didn't uh, accelerate anymore. It was staying pretty level. Yeah. But but then you know, like you said, 
you know, the trade war really started digging in and really started hurting people. Yeah. And, and before you even had a chance to, you know, start to make progress on that, then COVID hits and right. that, was, and then, and then that was totally botched. Yeah. So, you know, like, like if you're looking for a one-on-one, a one-on-one on how to lose a presidency, this yeah. is your answer. Like, well, don't get me wrong. I don't, you know, I don't think Joe Biden's uh, presidency is going to stick around either with the right things are going. Right. I think, I think it looks better, but the problem there is, is that he still has a lot to overcome in terms of job growth, in terms of the, that kind of explosive growth that you saw. Inflation is definitely going to be an issue. It is. And then, yeah. and, and then, you know, and, and the problem that you're seeing is, is that everybody's being like, oh, well, the government says it's going to be short term. Is it though? That's the thing is, is that so far, all of these things that were supposedly going to be short term became long term problems. Yeah, exactly. We, what, what is short term to the government when I, when I can't pay my rent? You know, what I mean? is, it, is it, you know, is short term six months? Is it a year? Is it five years? Right. You exactly. know, that's, and, that's. And That's when good. does it, when is it the government just ends up affecting your life long-term in a negative way so that you can't live a life of happiness? You can't pursue happiness. You know what I mean? So Donald Trump, Donald Trump gave up in like July after 4th of July, he mm-hmm. was getting hit so hard. He didn't even want to be president anymore. There was months where he was, he just gave up and you didn't even see him. And the other thing I thought I swore after the first two years, Donald Trump was going to pivot to more of a progressive, moderate Democrat. And I think he would have ruled the land had he just said, haha, Republicans, now I'm working with the Democrats because they're in the majority. Screw you. you know I mean? And just yeah. kick their ass. And the other thing is, I learned a lesson in, in life at work. And it was if you're going to call somebody out, do it in private, not in public. And you're mm-hmm. never going to get cooperation from people if you berate them publicly for the world to see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there was just way too much Donald Trump personality. If we had known JFK personally, like tweeting like Donald Trump, we wouldn't have liked him either. He was a pig. Nope. You know what I mean? Right. And that's why, like right now, when you look at the infrastructure bill that's that's that they're that they're trying to do, like the first round of talks between Biden and, and Caputo failed. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have these voices screaming, oh, the left, oh, the right. And it's like, you know, like this, the screaming at each other for Twitter points is getting really fucking dumb. Agreed. It's like, it's like, you know what? The the left has what they want to do on the infrastructure side. The right has what they want to do. They both agree that infrastructure wants to, needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. It's just that when it comes to scope, this is where it's, this is where, you know, I can appreciate what the conservatives are trying to do, but I would probably disagree with them. You know, like for example, one of the things that they strongly disagree on is, you know, electrical infrastructure for, you know, electric cars. Well, here's the thing is, is that you've supported oil infrastructure for gas powered cars, right? Mm -hmm. So with the, with consumer demand changing for electric vehicles, and the rise in consumers buying electric vehicles, if you don't include electrical as part of that infrastructure plan, you're going to have problems because guess what? They're either, you know, the Democrats are either going to use budget reconciliation to do it or 
you're going to see car companies go out and do this on themselves, which, hey, great. That's fantastic. The, you know, the, the libertarian in me is very thrilled about that. Sure. But on the same time, but at the same time too, it's an added cost that is going to make the transition to electric a little bit more. Well, it, it basically I would look at it as, you know, all of the different plugs for all of the different cell phones. Have you ever asked yourself why we don't just have one plug for charging cell phones? No, never. It's because unless you standardize something, everybody creates their own version of what they're going to do. That's sure. why you have USB, USB-A, which is the mini, USB-B, USB-C now. You have lightning cables. You have the old 30-pin cables. It's like every single group decides to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, when you look at infrastructure in terms of how do you keep America moving in the gas market, gas has one particular nozzle, diesel has another. Yep. And if you don't standardize that now, or if the companies don't agree to standardize it in the beginning, and the US government doesn't, you know, look at investing on that infrastructure, you know, ultimately what you do is create a mess. Yeah. I mean I think it's just to prevent stupidity. A diesel, you don't want to put diesel in your car, you know, so there's a difference there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to put diesel in your car. You definitely don't want to put gas in a diesel. Right, but here's the problem. But, but, it, it, does, it doesn't matter if Democrats want to spend $2 trillion and Republicans want to spend $6 billion. If you're putting that into a leaky machine, what comes out is an inferior product. So most most of the waste most of the waste in a money machine is going to be mm -hmm. money and what comes out on the other end will equal less than what you put in and that's the problem it doesn't really matter what we spend it's what we're spending it the way we're spending it is the issue you know what i mean oh absolutely i don't disagree with you one bit it's just that this is your chance to actually standardize what you want this to look like. So that yeah. way, so that way in the end, your constituents aren't going to be coming to you pissed off saying, Hey, why in the hell am I having to charge this way for one vehicle and this way for another? Why in well, the hell is it that, you know, I don't, you know, we don't have charging stations every X miles. Why is it that? Why is it that? Why is it that? Mm -hmm. So this is one of those things where understanding where things are going Mm -hmm. And either being part of the process or, you know, even if the answer is just to punt it, hey, great. But the fact of the matter is, is that they don't even want to have those talks. And really, when you look at electrical infrastructure, the infrastructure needs to be upgraded anyways. So how do you upgrade it in such a way that this new consumer demand is going to be met? <clears throat> Curious. I just had this thought, right? So if we're going to if we're going to build these electric gas stations, right? Mm -hmm. What if, what if the government invested in a company or two or three that was doing that specifically? And then we invested in those companies and then we drew a dividend from their success instead of putting an electric tax or a gas tax. We just took the dividends from the company's success. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be a model for how to do it? No, it's a model for corruption. Mm. If you think for one second that that uh, that we're ever going to see a dime of that money, that's not that's never going to happen. Yeah, because so. let, oh hell no, are you kidding? 
the bet at best what we will see is you will see companies that are producing additional electricity and possibly see our electricity costs go down at best okay but most likely it's just going to be another corruption funnel in which you know companies are going to be funneling money to politicians and politicians are going to pay some lip service and do jack shit Mm, that's why we need hr1 or s1 so what i would you know basically what i would say is is that you need to encourage oil companies to become big energy companies. You got to sell, you got a shell station on every fucking corner as it is right now. So if you don't encourage them lightly to say the least to invest in this infrastructure, you know, they're going to be one of the few oil companies left when you've got electric vehicles running around all over the place. Mm. Royal Dutch Shell, on the other hand, is probably one of the first companies that have, that has arguably started buying and investing in in renewable energy sources. Mm. Um, whether or not that's going to come to fruition is is another story. But your biggest issues are going to be, you know, constant flow of electricity. So does Shell have its own wind turbines, its own hydro, its own, uh, you know, geothermal? What does it have? Mm. And so what is shell going to do to put power onto the grid so that way we're consuming that and can we're consuming that number one in in our households but number two we're also consuming that in our vehicles uh, so the sooner that those companies figure that out uh the better and i would say biden is perfectly poised to be able to say look you know after after all of our tax uh, tax leak information which should surprise fucking no one mm. um Basically, Biden's in the position where he could say, look, you want a tax break, you have to show that you're investing in developing renewable energy and resources. Otherwise, your corporate tax rate is 15%, period, end of story. Yeah. And and that's what needs to happen if you want if you want companies to transition themselves. Hmm. I guarantee you they will throw endless amounts of money at not paying taxes. Of course. There's uh, something interesting happened a couple weeks ago, and I have the fuzziest head, and I can't remember what happened, but Amsterdam sued an oil and gas company Mm -hmm. for something at the same time as the the, uh, investors of two others um, issued other things. And I cannot remember, but I know it's relevant to this conversation. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so I, I want to say uh, I forget which company it was. I want to say it was. I think it's Exxon. Exxon. Uh, basically, lost in 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 Amsterdam about whether or not they were causing environmental damages. Okay. At the same time, was it also Exxon or was it? Uh, Royal Dutch Shell, where their board ended up getting like one or two people on that are um, very much in, in you know climate activist uh, level people, which great you know that's one of the things that these companies need is mm-hmm. look you're either going to be part of the solution or you're going to be phased out when you're you're the problem right it's it's, it's this is not a, this should not surprise anybody at this point. So you either got to get on the bandwagon and start figuring out how you're going to produce renewable energy, or you're going to just watch things decline and you're going to be the last horse and buggy salesman. Realistically, you've got FedEx that's already piloting electric vehicles, electric trucks for themselves. I think that in terms of like 
of their city driving, that's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be fantastic. I still think that from, you know, distribution to distribution, you're going to see heavy fossil fuels until you get more reliable long distance batteries. Of course. But even then within the city, that's, you know, that's still a lot of driving. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's, that's still a lot of, that's still a lot of gallons of fuel that aren't going to be burnt and used. And they're committed to having their, their, I, I believe their fleet be electric in 2040, if I remember correctly. Right. And that's what we got to keep remembering when Democrats say, we want this now. They're saying, we want this to start now. <laughs> <laughs> So that it well, can end sooner. It's not yeah. like they're saying stop farting cows today. They're saying let's stop farting cows by the year 2050, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, but the problem there too is, is that it's like they, you get set on one solution mm-hmm. and, and anything else is unacceptable. So they're like right. stop farting cows now. Okay. Well, how do you do that? Stop eating meat. Well, what about using all of the science that we know that could help them reduce the amount of gas input, right. uh, gas uh, uh, output, so that way, you know, people's diets aren't going to have to drastically change or that, you know, the cost of raising beef isn't going to drastically change because there's oh. still going to be a high demand for it. And you see a bunch of them going, no, not at all. And it's like, okay, well, you sit there and scream, follow the science. So when the science gets done and you don't like it, I'm going to say the same thing to you that I said to the other guys. Yeah. It's like, look, you can make, you can make incremental changes. And, uh, and there are going to be some that are incremental that seem radical. They're going to be some that seem radical, but they're only incremental, you know, and Yeah. And so really it's just, you know, by understanding, you know, what are you feeding your animals to create such an output by changing, by understanding the diet and how that, you know, it's like me, you know, if I eat, if I have anything with a bunch of milk in it, my gas output's going to be pretty damn high. But if I remove that output or for other people, if you actually put, you know, if they take lactase or whatever, it doesn't work Mm -hmm. for me, then, then you don't have that issue. The same thing goes for cows. You can either find an input or remove remove an input that's going to change that. Yeah. The question is, is can you do it in such a way that it's cost effective? The answer, hopefully, will be yes. Putting something less into your animals? Sure. And what about the collection of the methane? You know what I mean? Just to use it for other things. Unfortunately, you know, I, I guess the best way to put it is, it's like trying to collect a fart. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But if they're all in one room with a big fan, you can collect it. You know what I mean? But you can't. Have I don't all, You can't have them all in one room because you, because at this point you have people that are like, if they're not free range, it's cruelty. So, <laughs> so watch. So, so I can immediately start picking apart this argument. I see like, it. I love it. And that's and that's just it. Is is that in, unless you make a decision to go with something mm-hmm. and go full send with it, you know. All I'm gonna, all you, all you're going to see happen is you're going to see people be like, well, yeah, I get that you want to, you know, well, we could start just collecting the farts and then use that so that way <laughs> you can. Okay, well then you're still burning farts and that's still not necessarily solving the problem, or hmm. you know you can actually, you know, it's that root cause, the root cause of what is what is causing cows to produce so much methane. Right, I like figure that, that out solve for that problem and and that's one of the things is like we're so interested in in treating the symptom mm-hmm. 
Yes. That we forget to look at what the root cause of the problem is. The root right. cause of the problem is what are they consuming that is causing gas? I always see it as a fire and the spark. Every time a spark lands in America, we're like, oh my God, a spark. But then we forget that there's a giant fire over there. You know what I mean? Right, right, exactly. So this is it's it's really kind of interesting and frustrating. Like you watch this happen time and time and time again, where everybody oh. wants to put a band-aid over the symptom. And you know, it's like we've talked about, you know, you've got one side, you know, like for example, the whole issue at the southern border. Oh. You got one side saying, we just need to let everybody in. Your borders are an antiquated idea. Don't necessarily disagree, but it still doesn't solve the problem of people coming here. If you, if you're looking at what does homelessness, joblessness, unemployment, all of that other fun stuff look like. Sure. What's the root cause of migration for anybody? Desperation. Exactly. So the question is, is can you fix that? And, and fundamentally, this is where the right gets completely off basis. They think that they just, you know, they think that these people are going to come over and take over. It's like one of the fucking Trump morons today. You know, everybody at the southern border, arm yourself and get guns. I'm like, oh, yes, that's totally going to fix the problem. So when you kill a bunch of people and then you end up on trial for murder, what do you think is going to happen? Or... It's like, why are people leaving these places? Number one, it's not that they, you know, there are people who do look to come here because you have, you have a lot of new opportunities that you don't at home, Mm -hmm. but you also have people who come here out of desperation and they want to go back home. They do. You know? So the question is, is how do you, how do you look at this and how do you solve for this? Personally, you know, if, if you're any type of, of an American, the idea that somebody wants to be us should be, it should be a cause for celebration. I mean, not necessarily in recent yes. years, but because <clears throat> we've got some problems that we've got to work out. Sure, sure. Um, but in terms of, in terms of, you know, how do you help people that want to go home, get home? You know, this is where investing in our neighbors becomes important investing in Mm. local economies becomes important as you see all of these issues with china cutting us off Mm -hmm. come to play it's like this is your chance where there are places in the world where it's like you could set up similar style factories have them be a lot closer sure and invest in places that will that i mean consistently crime goes down when you have you know, constant good paying work. Yep. I mean, that's, there's been several documentaries on people who have worked for the cartels and then some new factory or manufacturing or, or production plant comes in of some sort and yeah, it doesn't pay as much as, you know, the cartels do, Mm -hmm. but you don't wonder if you're going to get shot in the middle of the night uh, because a, you know, you pissed off a, a cartel member B you cross the border and you pissed off somebody else Yeah, yeah. or see, you know, any number of things like, so I by think, investing, by investing in your neighbors, it's going to be, it's going to be better for everybody in the long run for people who want to come here to, you know, mm-hmm. be a part of our economy. I, and that's the thing is like the idea that they're, they're, a, they're a mop on our economy is just absolutely fucking insane. It's not true. 
I think that what's cool about America is we've taken the best of the best and we've given them the free education and tools so that they can go back to where they came from and create a little bit of America there. I think the problem is, is that it's so hard to get in and it's so hard to leave. You have to renounce your citizenship when you come here to your other country. And I really think dual citizenship should be an option. I think I should be able to apply to be a citizen all over the world. And I should be able to do that. And in that way, they can come here or go there. They can have their yeah. education. It's just we, we keep them trapped here once we get them. But we want, um, we unless, want somebody unless we to don't want back. them. Unless we don't right. want them. Then it's That's then it's saying. like or like the the case out of I want to say it was Tacoma, um, where a guy has you know was naturalized and he was held for a week and they wouldn't even look at his naturalization paperwork. You know, right. the dude is a U.S. citizen. Right. They didn't want to hear it. No, they didn't. But that's the thing is we're treating them like statistics, like a mob, like a group, like a number mm -hmm. instead of a resource that's available to us. And that's why education, free education is so important, because if everybody gets a chance to say, this is what I'm interested in, you're going to have agriculturists, you're going to have scientists, you're going to have laborers. You know, a lot of people just want to work and go home and raise their family. But there's yep. other people that come here to become a better doctor. And then they want to go around the world being a better doctor to better people. And we can't stifle that. And the problem is, is we think the people coming here from El Salvador and Mexico and Brazil are inferior intellectually. And so right. we don't give them the chance to have that education, to go back to just the shortened supply chain and bring America there. And well, that's, and, that's why and I don't the like times, the border is because it keeps everybody trapped here and everybody that could be in their homeland doing what they're doing is stuck here because this is where the resources and jobs and money are. Well, and, and the other issue too is, is that it's, it's this weird, uh, you know, oh, they're taking all of our jobs and it's the jobs you don't, you know, the jobs that you can't get Americans to fill. Right. But it's also, you know, simultaneously they're taking our jobs and they're a drain on our economy at the same time. And it's like, mm -hmm. what, what planet is this? Yeah. They're taking, I don't all get this. Our, they're taking all of our resources. They're on our insurance. They're on our <sighs> Medicare, you know, and it's just, it's really crazy to me that there's that duality in that and i think everybody we're we're a consumer-based economy we need people buying cheap stuff it's just america needs to make that stuff as as opposed to getting it from china we should be getting it from mexico we should be getting it from um yeah you know Guam, el salvador el salvador you know the uh, honduras you know it's yeah. it's but that's the thing is is that we have the chance to invest in our neighbors yeah and and bring supply chains closer to home there, you know, there are some things that we legitimately need to actually consider just manufacturing here mm -hmm. and try to supplement from other places as well, but we need them made here just yes. because, just because if you're, you know, one of the things, is, unless every country decides that, Hey, we're all going to be friendly with each other and work yeah. for the betterment of humanity, there are just going to be some things that you have to do internally. You know, it's funny. Toilet paper is one of those things. It costs way more to ship that bulky light item than it does to make it here. 
And that's why it's made in America. <laughs> All mm -hmm. of your toilet papers from Charmin to Northern are made in America. It's just um, Northern is made by the Koch brothers or a subsidiary uh, of them. And Charmin is made by Kimberly Clark, which is more nonpartisan. So I like Charmin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's all one of those things. Like, yeah, we're gonna be there are going to be some things that we absolutely have to look at making here. There are some things that you know we need to really just boost our trade. You know, boost our capabilities with our with our neighbors. Yes, it's going to end up better for all of us in the long run. And on top of that, it's like as you look at this whole model that the G7 is currently meeting about, how do you offer a democratic solution to places like Russia and China? It's, unless you start building some friendships and start investing in those friendships, mm -hmm. you're not going to have the same ability to keep up with China just because they're willing to do it at all costs, human life included. You know, it's interesting about Russia specifically. Russia's constitution is very similar to ours. The difference is um, a person of the people will be in charge. And mm -hmm. I just, I've, I've never, oh man, I don't want to get hacked and attacked. But I don't think Vladimir Putin with his like $10 billion house is really a man of the labor, you know? And so I think that's the issue. I think Russia just has one man that doesn't see the Constitution the way that the Constitution was written. I'm happy with, I mean, there was a place called Sunny, and we've talked about this in Bul Bulgaria or something, mm -hmm. and Sunny was going to be the, the, uh, the Russian version of Utopia, and it was destroyed mm -hmm. by something completely different called the nuclear explosion. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And so you have, <sighs> this, is always, this is, like this is always, like Donald Trump tried to mutate us. I think Vladimir Putin mutated Russia, but I but, don't but think here's it's the... Russia or the plan or the system. It's just the man. This is, this is where I think a little bit of history goes a long ways. Yeah, this. let's do it. You know, you know, because at least when you had, the Soviet Union, the Soviet, the Soviet Union may not have had the same sort of power as the United States did towards the end, right? But it still had a very prominent place on this on the world stage. After it collapsed, Russia really didn't, right? For ten years, Putin has brought that back, okay. and for better or worse, uh what Putin has done to, to bring Russia back to a more central stage has worked. And arguably the people are definitely, I wouldn't say like, to put it lightly, it's not like Belarus where it's completely corrupt. It, it wow. I would say that, I would say that, you know, to say that Putin isn't winning Russia is definitely an understatement is definitely not true. But I don't think it's as uh, as much as it looks in the elections. Uh, but that I... said, that said though, what Putin has done, I would say is I would put it more equivalent to what FDR did during the 30s and 40s. To be to be quite honest, just more on an autocratic scale rather than on a democratic scale. Interesting. What Putin has managed to do for Russia has has everyday Russians absolutely enamored with him. Really? 
Yes. Why? What has he done? Well, you basically, at the end of the Soviet Union, you had crap living standards for everybody. Mm-hmm. After the fall of the Soviet Union, that got worse. Mm-hmm. Putin has yeah. been able to stabilize Russia's economy, not as much as he would like, because Russia's economy is still very much an oil-based economy. Uh, but it's far more stable than it ever was in the last 40 years. Okay. And so that stability that he has brought to the Russians has made him very popular. It's just that he also has some very ex-KGB tendencies to go with it. Interesting. So, so you have to look at it. I would look at Putin almost like as a lens of FDR. Not quite the same, but very similar. After all of the crap that went through the Great Depression, FDR brought stability. That stability then in turn brought the country back. And then through harsh times, he was an effective leader. And and it's just that FDR happened to be uh, very much in the democratic lane. And so the only, the only difference there is, is that, you know, Putin is, Putin is making himself, he is helping himself be right. And through his successes, leveraging those to create the lanes that keep him in power. Agreed. Agreed. Because when you look at everyday people, if you were to say, hey, you can only elect Putin twice, what you see is this lack of stability mm. that, uh, that, they, that the Russian people have had to deal with, All and right. that is not appealing. That's, and that's essentially what happened in terms of getting FDR reelected three other times. Mm. FDR brought stability. That stability became long-term, and the fear of if we lose this person, does that stability go away – is very real for people who hadn't had stability for 40 years. So somebody in a 10 year abusive relationship likes this stability, like knowing what's coming. That's, I mean, that's closest to the way that I could put it. Versus the, the devil, you know, right? Right. Because I don't think, I mean, from an outside lens, I think Putin is alienating his country. He's creating more sanctions and less opportunities to grow its economy. And I think mm-hmm. when, when what they say, what his philosophy is, is when there's trouble internally, um, show external forces, external victories. So mm-hmm. he's saying we're in a war in Syria with America. We're in a war in Ukraine with Ukraine and America and we're winning. And I think those are fabrications. I think he's shrinking. Mm-hmm. He's shrinking. Like I said, it's in an autocratic, it's an autocratic lane. Right. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that Russia has a lot of land space. Russia has a lot of oil. And despite all of those yeah. sanctions that we have put on individuals and some mm-hmm. companies, yeah, Europe is still so heavily dependent on Russia that he doesn't have much to worry about unless Europe just massively invests in some other system that's going to reduce their reliance on Russia. Like green technologies? <laughs> like green technologies. <laughs> like what's coming down the pipeline next? So like if you, I don't if see you, Russia as a long-term sustainable thing right now. Their, their that's plan because it's not. Isn't going forward isn't sustainable. That's because it's not, and right. and but that's that's what that's what short sighted about humanity is is that 
it's stable today, so it's going to yeah. be stable tomorrow, and we'll worry about everything else later. Right. And yeah. and so like this whole issue of rocking the boat and you know trying to get rid of Putin is a problem for everyday Russians who you know think about it if 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 you were guaranteed your next meal after not knowing if you were going to eat for 10 years, sure. How likely are you to say, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I don't want this person anymore. Who's guaranteed my next meal. Right. I was, I was with a drug abusive drug addict for 12 years. The devil I knew was better than going out on my own. So I, I totally get that. And I also think Mm -hmm. your average Russian doesn't have the news collecting capabilities that your average American has. So I don't think they know that there's an option or a difference or a way of, I mean, the United States has its flaws. So does every system, you know what I mean? So does the communist system. Oh, it's, it's, it's it's all got its flaws. It's just the question of whether or not you can, whether or not you're actually getting to see those flaws and Russia's media is state controlled. Once again, this is why, you know, they've gone for a very autocratic system and that's a problem. Right. You know, and because your autocracy is based around the fact that whoever succeeds Putin is going to be as good as Putin, if not better. Right. Look at Venezuela. Venezuela under Hugo Chavez, it, it worked. It was working. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best, but it worked. And then you get Maduro to follow it up and it's a shit show. Right. Because Maduro just couldn't Maduro just couldn't hack it the way that Chavez could. That's and an so, interesting point. Wait a minute. That's an interesting point. Thank you for listening to Public Access America. We will be Thursday to continue the, continue this discussion. Dis- <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> next Thursday to continue this discussion. Or you can listen to the live stream every Sunday and figure it out. All right, autocracy and why we why it's expanding around the world. Let's go on. To those who would tear the world down. We will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. Live streams on YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Twitter. 
Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.